Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 27th day of January, 2024. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and I'll warn you right up front, this show tonight is going to be quite a bit different for a number of reasons than usual, most importantly because the gloves are not only off, the civil war that seems to have been brewing for a long time, the insurgent communist regime in the swamp has certainly been pushing for it, may well be here. And it started on Monday with a story out of the Supreme Court that indicates that even the pretense of a rule of law that the Constitution still has anything to do with what was once called these United States, or for that matter, that the Supreme Court even pretends to pay lip service to it. Still, though, for purposes of completion, let's start at the beginning. Well, with this week's escalation anyway. This is probably one of the most important and absolutely infuriating stories that I may have ever done, certainly when it comes to the Supreme Court and a number of traitors, five in fact, that essentially said, hey, you know, we may have twisted the Constitution before, we may have ignored elements, we may have had legal interpretations that enabled us to circumvent the clear meaning of words like no warrant shall issue or shall not be infringed, but today they basically, if you'll pardon my bluntness, just came right out and said, um, F you to these states and the people respectively to the entire concept of the Constitution and the rule of law, oh yeah, and certain specifics in there. Now what am I talking about? A lawsuit made its way to the Fifth Circuit of Appeals that had to do with the invasion of the United States across the non-existent southern border. After a federal judge sided with the invasion and the illegal fake puppet on a string Biden Fuhrer. How dare the state of Texas and its governor and attorney general think they can stand in the way of the invasion that is going on? and put up razor wire, for example. But the appeals court last month said no. He cannot send his federal agents in there to violate the Constitution and aid and abet an invasion of these United States by cutting the razor wire. On Monday, in a 5-4 to four ruling, the so-called Supreme Court essentially said, the hell with our oath, the hell with the Constitution, and I'll read the specifics in just a second, and we're going to let the invasion continue. Bring it on! Come on in! You want to invade this country? We aren't going to stop you. They granted the Biden-Fuhrer regime's emergency request to let the invasion continue. And if you're not mad, folks, you probably want to just change the dial. From the order that was issued yesterday, the application to vacate injunction is granted. The December 19, 2023 order of the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, case number 23-50869, is vacated. And as far as, are there actually some justices that honored their oath and understand what the Constitution says? Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, and Justice Kavanaugh all said they would deny the application to let the invasion continue and vacate the emergency injunction. Meanwhile, along with the usual leftists, we have Justices Sick Roberts, and this one is uh, perhaps not that surprising but still disgusting, Amy Coney Barrett, who said, F you to the American people and their ability to have secure borders or even enjoy the, uh, well, concept of life, liberty, and property in the absence of the rule of law. 
Now, here, folks, is where the rubber meets the road. And honestly, part of the reason I think this is one of the most disgusting Supreme Court decisions in American history is because usually there's at least a rationale for saying, hey, because you maybe made a deal with the devil and you traded away essential liberty for a little temporary security, you don't have a right to be free of illegal search and seizure or to keep and bear arms or to worship the God that you've already turned your back on or to be allowed to gather together and petition the government for a redress of grievances. Yeah, We've seen all of that before, but this time what they're saying is even a state which is under invasion can't even so much as dare to impede the invasion when Big Brother says they're going to come in and take over what you've got and how dare you try to stop them. So with that in mind, I'll point out that there are three places in what was once called the Constitution for these United States where the word invasion is used. And let's talk about each of them. First one is in Article 1 right up front where it says, All legislative power herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which seems to have now been effectively neutered, so maybe that's a non-issue. If the president can make law, and the Supreme Court can make law, and the Congress is immaterial. And so, of course, is the Bill of Rights. But still, Article 1, Section 8, Paragraph 15 says that Congress shall have the power to, and here I quote, provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. Except, of course, when the Supreme Court and the United States occupational government says, this invasion is ours, and we intend to make war against you peons. Folks, that is exactly what's being described here. All right, the next section, Article 1, Section 9, limits on Congress says that the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended. Well, we know that's happened. Lincoln did it. Unless, it says, when in cases of, oh, wait, rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. Isn't that funny? Now the public safety requires it, and the answer is the hell with you and the horse you rode in on. There is one more place where the word invasion appears in the Constitution back when we had one. It has to do with Article 4, the states. And under Section 4, where it says that every state shall be guaranteed a republican form of government, it also says that the central government shall, quote, protect each of them against invasion. Hmm. Except, of course, when the invasion is one that we are encouraging and we intend to use to overturn this constitution and rule of law. You'd have to ask, any questions at this point? But wait, there is, of course, still more. If you look up the other forms of the word invasion, like the past tense has already been invaded, you might find this at the end of Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3, to be precise, but the Supreme Court doesn't seem to care about this part either, where it says that no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty on tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power. Oh, and parenthetically here, you notice how many of those the People's Republic of California has already violated without a peep from the so-called Supreme Court? Or engage in war? Well, hmm. Oh, wait. Unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay, unquote. Isn't that what an emergency is all about? We are being invaded. We cannot admit of delay. And what has the Supreme Court just said? Besides the raised middle finger and issuing wire cutters to the border traders? The hell you won't. 
That invasion is going to continue. And how dare you even try to impede it by putting up a little razor wire, much less thinking you still have a vestige of the rule of law or constitutional authority. Folks, this is, I'll say it, this is an open act of war by a court that no longer gives a damn about the Constitution that they've basically been gang raping for quite a while now. But I guess, again, we could say the gloves are off. There was no hint, of course, of a rationale here for saying, let the invasion continue. Now, maybe this is superfluous, but I will point out that back when we had a Bill of Rights, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are particularly well ignored. They had something like this to say. First, Article 9 of the Bill of Rights, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. In other words, if we fail to do what this Constitution says we're supposed to do, like protect you from invasion, protect your life, liberty, and property, and we literally stand back and cut that razor wire, you have a right to do whatever it is you need to do because of breach of contract. And the Tenth Amendment, just in case that first one wasn't clear, is very similar. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states. Uh, how about ones that were supposed to be taken care of by the central government, but they're in breach of, like not protecting you from invasion? Well, it says they are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Now, there's one more element of this, folks, that's interesting historically. Certainly, it was true, and it still remains true, and I would say obvious at this point, that if there's an invasion going on of some state by land or sea, and there's not time to get the Congress to act, clearly the state is, by this document, empowered to take care of itself and expect help from the central government as soon as is humanly possible. That is, obviously, and after all, the reason why Article 1 says that Congress has the power and should, in fact, call forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and, yes, repel that invasion already in progress. So I'll say it again. The Supreme Court didn't just fail. It aided and abetted treason. Now, interestingly, and many of you are probably trying to recall this quote, so uh, let's look it up. And arguably, this case is almost a polar opposite in a number of respects. But in the infamous 1832 case of Wooster v. Georgia, where the state of Georgia refused to obey the court, President Andrew Jackson said of the court's decision, referring to the Chief Justice at the time, John Marshall, he's made his decision, now let him enforce it. Maybe, folks, we'll see at this point whether the state of Texas has an attorney general or especially a governor with a backbone. After the abomination of a decision came down, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton weighed in and tweeted the following, quote, The Supreme Court's temporary order allows Biden, sick, to continue his illegal effort to aid the foreign invasion of America. The destruction of Texas's border barriers will not help enforce the law or keep American citizens safe. This fight, he said, is not over, and I look forward to defending our state's sovereignty. After previously having installed about 30 miles of razor wire at the Texas-Mexico border near Eagle Pass to attempt to stop the flood of illegal invaders being encouraged to come on in by the Biden Fuhrer, on Monday evening, Texas Governor Abbott tweeted out that he will continue to defend Texas' constitutional authority to protect its own border. To which the only proper comment, folks, is, we'll see. Because as of now, at least so far as the what passes for courts are concerned, the Constitution has nothing whatsoever to do with it. Oh, and by the way, as several stories in places like the Gateway Pundit are now noting, this latest court failure is the ninth time overall that the so-called court has granted an emergency application from the Biden-Fuhrer regime 
to, uh, well, let's call it what it is, destroy the nation outright out of 14 different emergency applications. And interestingly, that doesn't even count the time when they allowed the government to be overthrown by ignoring the fraud during the 2020 election and all the violations of state constitutions and the rule of law that got us here to begin with. If there are history books written in the future, folks, they may well cite January 22nd as the day when the Second American Civil War was declared. And that, of course, is where I'm headed today with the rest of the show. And as always, what does it mean? What are the implications? And what do we do about it? Sometimes, though, and this may be one of them, it's appropriate to take just a bit of a breather and maybe interject a little levity, especially when it takes the form of well-deserved ridicule. Oftentimes, folks, I find that the Babylon Bee does a far better job of covering most news than the so-called mainstream press does. But every now and then, there's one that's just (laughs) so amazing and so over the top, maybe, that even though it's tongue-in-cheek, it still does a better job of really nailing the truth than the waystream ever dreamed of. This was from Monday, and the headline's so good that it simply cannot be ignored. Supreme Court rules it's illegal for National Guard to guard nation. It says in a 5-4 to decision, the Supreme Court has now ruled that it's illegal for the Texas National Guard to guard either Texas or the nation. Wrote Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, who sided with the majority, quote, using the National Guard to guard the nation is an egregious misuse of the National Guard. When the federal government has decreed that the nation not be guarded so that millions of illegal immigrants will swarm the border and settle in cities across the nation to swing the 2024 presidential election for Biden, states have no right to disobey that decree by guarding their states, unquote. Well, at least kind of. As a result of the ruling, Texas has been ordered to open its border completely and let millions of people flood the state and the rest of the country until everything Americans hold dear is left a smoldering ruin. Quote, it's the compassionate thing to do, said Jackson. And, says the article, the federal government has told the National Guard that it's time to return to its normal task of fighting endless foreign wars. By Thursday, it's fair to say we had an update on the continuing development of Civil War 2.0 in America and the, although it's no excuse, arguably bribable and blackmailable traitors who enabled this latest act of open invasion of these United States, where just maybe, and we might even say hopefully, their perfidy has started to awaken a sleeping giant. And I guess the comparison with Japan and Pearl Harbor is more than apt. Says a piece from Zero Hedge that we'll start off with, Texas Governor Greg Abbott drifts through a hard line in the sand, and it's about time, putting the Biden-Fuhrer regime on notice that he's declared the migrant crisis exactly what it is, folks, an invasion, and invoked Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. Gee, who could have thought it? According to Abbott, quote, that authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. Duh. The Texas National Guard, he continued, the Texas Department of Public Safety and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the Texas border. Basically, folks, they're almost coming right out and doing what they should have done and are now maybe doing. And that's calling out, is it a bluff? The communists in the swamp. The situation says the peace has come to a boiling point at Eagle Pass, where the Texas National Guard has taken control of a local park which illegal invaders use as a landing zone after crossing the Rio Grande. The state has placed razor wire along miles of the river to block entry of the U.S., which the Supreme Court just claimed they have the authority to allow the Biden Fuhrer to remove, Constitution be damned, while a legal battle plays out in a lower court. 
What? Because these scumbag priests of another god don't have the guts to do what they know blankety-blank and well they should have? Or is it just because they're on the take? Or worse? At the White Whorehouse, National Security Council, sick, spokeslayer John Kirby said Biden has the authority to nationalize the Texas National Guard. Oh, yeah, let him try and order them to desist. But he says the Biden viewer has made no such determination. I kind of wonder, folks, if the situation might be perhaps a little bit more fluid. Yeah, you know what? There's probably more going on here than meets the eye. Maybe there are some Customs and Border Patrol people who, if they're ordered to go in and risk their own lives to assist in the invasion of their own country, might just decide to, uh, hey, join up with the Texas National Guard and turn on their evil masters instead. Meanwhile, Abbott continues to install more razor wire, saying it's an effective deterrent against the illegal border crossings encouraged by Biden's open border policies, he said on X Wednesday. Hal Turner's radio show has more detail about the rupturing of the no longer at all United States. He says that rupturing is accelerated under the criminal, traitorous, and illegitimate Biden fake presidency because Texas has declared, now what we all know, it's being invaded and other state governors, and here's the interesting part of this story, are now entering into compacts with Texas to repel that invasion. And think about that language, folks, because that too is an interesting word constitutionally and tells you how far we've come. As of Thursday, 25 January 2024, the map, he says, that is included, shows which states are rupturing and coming to the aid of Texas. Interestingly, folks, only one of those states is contiguous with Texas' own borders, and uh, none of them are actually on the southern border with Mexico. But the invasion certainly affects every single one of them, including others that are still too gutless to act or too sold out. In the written declaration made yesterday, the governor of Texas pointed out that he's previously invoked the invasion clause of the Constitution. And I talked about that earlier this week, folks, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, because over 6 million illegals, invaders, and foreign troops have already flooded across that state border since the Biden fewer illegally seized power after the purloined November 2020 not election. And here's an interesting fact from that invocation. The number of people that the governor pointed out that have invaded is actually more than the population of 33. Three of the United States states. Texas is, without question, literally being invaded. And, of course, they have the right to defend themselves under that clause. And now other states have begun coming to the aid of Texas. Governors have made clear their intentions. And here are a few of them. The governor of Montana, who wrote that Governor Abbott is doing what the POTUS won't. And by refusing to act, Biden is inviting cartels, illegal drugs, and human trafficking into the United States. Thus, he said, quote, we must secure the southern border. South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, perhaps no surprise, said Abbott is exactly right to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend itself. And South Dakota has been proud to help in those efforts to, quote, secure our border. The governor of Oklahoma said they stand with Texas. The governor of Missouri, Mike Parson, likewise called out the failure of the regime in the swamp to, quote, secure our southern border and said Missouri will act. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin on X said that Virginia, too, stands with Texas. Abbott is doing what the Biden Fuhrer and his borders are refused to do. For which, folks, if we actually had a Congress, they should have already been impeached and convicted and thrown out of office. And that they've now turned, quote, every state into a border state. Finally, the spokesperson for the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, said that their highway patrol is patrolling the southern border with Texas officials at this very moment. 
Now here, Al Turner begins to ask some questions that your host has been asking and suggests bear a lot more investigation. What these states are doing, he said, in entering into a compact with Texas, because Texas is, without question, actually being invaded, well, they have the right under the supreme law of this land to do exactly that. In fact, Texas now has the right to levy war, and maybe they should, he said. Maybe they need to send troops into Mexico to put a stop to these cartels and migrant caravans, because Big Brother won't which is not only an impeachable act, but an act of treason. Or as the Constitution puts it, an open act of war against the states and the people. Or, asks Hal Turner, would it be more effective to send those same troops to Washington, District of Criminals, and cleanse the nation of the political filth infesting the so-called capital city, already directly responsible for what's happening at the southern border, along with, of course, their communist Chinese puppet masters. Texas is already using force against the feds. It has seized Shelby Park, that location where tens of thousands of illegal invaders stream through every day. The Texas National Guard is already using force to keep the feds out of that park because they are failing to detain those illegals and instead are letting them enter the country. So here, folks, is what your host finds interesting and certainly worth some extended comment concerning. Is the United States already, whether it likes to admit it or not, in a state of open civil war? Or uh, maybe in this case, a war to prevent the independence of Texas from a nation that wants it destroyed from within and from without? And it's kind of a thought experiment along those lines. Where are we and where are we headed? Let me ask this question. If or when Texas calls out the National Guard, who would they send them to fight? Now think about that. Do you send them to fight the invaders that are being encouraged to come in by the swamp and those that are pulling the swamp's chains, whether it's communist China, the drug cartels, or the communists in the swamp? And maybe I repeat myself. Or do you fight that enemy directly? Texas literally is caught between two enemy armies, Mexico to the south and the swamp, and most of the rest of the communist nation that surrounds them to the north and east and west. Will Biden's puppet master send in troops to overthrow that state government? Will Texas realize and point out something that is verboten to say on national TV, and that is the very purpose of a citizen militia? Imagine Governor Abbott telling the people of Texas, yes, you're being invaded, you know it, so arm yourselves. We're going to deputize you to defend your own lives and property, just as the Constitution guaranteed should have been allowed to happen all this time anyway. Or do you recognize that the real enemy are those who would come in to try to put down Texas's legitimate government and oppose a communist regime and certainly deny them a Republican form of government in the process? Well, folks, like it or not, this is shaping up to be the biggest constitutional crisis in our nation's history. The last so-called civil war destroyed the voluntary compact between the states and turned that constitution into a roach motel, right? You can check in, but you never check out. And this one, one way or another, seeks to destroy any vestiges of a free society and turn it into something entirely different. Like it or not, the battle may finally well be here. I've said this before, since the election that wasn't overthrew the once Republican form of government that at least some of us thought we still had in the Washington swamp, turns out that was a lie, and we're realizing it actually goes way back. But I remember making this observation, that civil war, as a result, might just be the almost worst thing that I could imagine happening, with the possible exception of what we get if we didn't have one. 
And I argue that just maybe we've seen that play out, and now we're going to see the bitter fruit of a failure to act when it might have been painful, but perhaps not nearly so as what is currently planned and being executed. Which takes us pretty much up to date. In other words, at this point, I think it's pretty hard not to see that the setup for Civil War 2.0 is in place, and those that have been Jones and Ford pushing for World War III while they're at it, too, are ever so close to finally getting their fix. But as I indicated up front, it still leaves a whole lot of questions on the table. For those of us that do have a scriptural understanding of history and where we are now and what the rule of law was supposed to be, what about us? Where do we go from here? How do we deal with what certainly seems to have been coming for a long time and now is literally at the doorstep? It's certainly clear, well, just about any way you slice it, that the America any of us grew up in is dead and buried, stick a fork in it. The same thing goes for much of the economy. For the sense that we could count on certain institutions and that, yeah, that ever increasingly ephemeral rule of law and even the obviously misguided idea that, oh, yeah, the next election just might be able to fix it. Well, after the bottom of the hour break, I want to do a couple of things by way of thought experiments, what possible developments might follow from here, what we need to do about it, how we should be prepared. In, in other words, certain things that we have talked about and other things that even if we've talked about them are eminently more uh, realistic, maybe eminent, than they were before. Stay with us, and we'll be right back after this. But don't leave a trace. Hate your next door neighbor, but don't forget to say grace and tell me over and over and over. All right, welcome back, folks, to the second half of the show for this evening. I am your host, Mark Collin. As you know, we are going to continue to talk today about the uh, invasion at the southern border and the fact that it looks like we haven't seen the Fort Sumter moment yet with the first shots actually fired. Well, or have we? You have to wonder, would they be reported anyway? But um, what I wanted to do is essentially go through some of the scenarios and, uh, as I like to call them, uh, Albert Einstein coined the term, as far as I know, uh, thought experiments. How might things develop? And what kinds of things probably should be done if the, um, if the folks in Texas, uh, in particular the governor, and a lot of people have been critical of him for allowing this to have gone this far and not having done the right thing. Is he actually had a change of heart, or is this just more politic? And, well, I guess we're going to have to wait and see on all of that score. Uh, what will the Biden Fuhrer do? Well, no, what will his puppet masters do when they pull his strings? And one thing I think that is an, an interesting aspect of all of this, uh, what we have seen is they aren't really... Particularly, uh, they don't care if you know how evil they are. They don't care if they tip their hand and uh, they don't even have to play by the same rules of get them to strike first and so forth as we saw with Lincoln and Fort Sumter. In fact, I, uh, I guess the, the interesting thing is once the jig is up, and as it probably now is, 
almost all holes are um, are no longer barred. So um, let's go through a couple of elements, but I want to start with this concept, and that is what the communists, and that's who we're dealing with here, uh, whether it's communist Chinese pulling the strings, uh, they certainly seem to have uh, lots of embedded control operations in Mexico. I have uh, seen more than enough indications that a lot of the Mexican drug cartels are at least uh, connected with, if not uh, run by the communist Chinese. But hey, again, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to know where one kind of terror begins and another uh, ends. Still, the the point of the pinchers philosophy, one of the things that the communists have talked about as long as I can remember, is pressure from above, pressure from below. In other words, if you really want to encourage or push their communist revolution, what they do is they hit people from all angles. So um, pressure from above, uh, inflation on the one hand, and um, economic uh, issues that would uh, drive people to uh, worry about their future and not have enough money and so forth. And then on the other hand, you can lay them off. You can cause problems with regulations that cause them to lose their jobs. So pressure from above, pressure from below reflects itself in a lot of ways. One of the things I think is really important to just kind of put out there up front when we talk about these thought experiments, we tend to think of, um, because it's just the way we're wired, I guess, single action responses. And uh, in other words, um, what would happen if this happens and that happens? Well, when you're playing a game of chess or when you realize that whether you're playing chess or not, your opponent is, understand that the attack will almost certainly be on multiple fronts. That's the pressure from above, pressure from below, from the right, from the left, uh, in every direction. Look, for example, at what's already obvious in Texas. And I mentioned this in the last segment. Who is the enemy here? Well, you have the Communist Chinese Party that certainly controls much of Washington, certainly the White House. Uh, but on the other hand, hey, they're on the take from so many people, it's hard to tell which is the single controller. The deep state is obviously another. If um, If Texas was to send troops, and I asked this question, where would they send them and who would they fight? Well, you can send them to the border, but recognize that you very well may find that the um, the other kind of an attack is going to come from the north. It's going to come from the regime in the swamp where they send in their troops to literally force Texas to fight a war on two fronts. <coughs> And it's not just the invaders, of course. Uh, it's the Mexican government itself. It's the cartels. There are lots of potential um, wild cards, again, things that could develop in the battle. And uh, finally, I'll just mention one more. Remember, folks, even though the invasion is in progress and uh, Texans are rightfully concerned about 10,000, 12,000, 15 or more thousand per day coming across the border, many of them, MS-13, uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, you name it, Taliban terrorists. How about the, uh, the usual drug lords and, of course, communist Chinese and Iranian and just about any other nation on the planet that wants to send people in? Come on, the water's fine. Nobody's stopping you. Why not? You'd be a fool if you were a an invading nation and didn't have at least a few of your special forces troops already embedded. So that's the other point. There are literally millions upon millions of invaders, many, many of them, battalions and battalions worth of foreign troops, military-age fighting men, special forces already here, already embedded, already uh, given their bus tickets and plane tickets and scattered all over the country, ready to do whatever. So at the point where this thing really gets rolling, understand that it will not only be pressure from above and below in Texas, but we may see terrorist events, all kinds of activities all across the United States. And at that point, what you have is just general mayhem. 
And uh, when I mentioned these other alternatives, th- things that would, would pay, play a point, uh, a, a role in the thought experiment, remember, the regime in Washington has had a fabulous goal for, you know, since, since before Biden went senile, that's how long this has been going on, uh, that he wanted to disarm Americans. He's been lying about the Second Amendment and telling people, you don't have a right to keep and bear arms, you slave. That's for people like us who take our bribes and have full armies of protection. You, on the other hand, you're expendables. You're deplorables. And they're going to make that clear. So uh, expect a further move towards disarmament. And, and that leads to uh, the first of several different thought experiments as to what might play out in Texas. Obviously, uh, we're seeing an escalation. We've seen a number of states and governors that are talking about, uh, I have yet to see, uh, with the exception perhaps of Florida, uh, how many, uh, well, National Guard troops or state highway patrols, in the case of Florida, or other Boots on the ground have been sent to Texas to actually help the situation. But I suspect that there will be more. I suspect, and we're hearing stories about compacts, and at least a half a dozen states have been named. I mentioned some of those in the first segment, too. Uh, I suspect, and I've seen indications that there may very well be more. Hopefully, there will be a lot more that are concerned about the invasion and want to do something about it. But all that really suggests is uh, beware of the potential in- uh, escalation even sooner as um, as things come to a head here. So um, what else could we see? Well, calling out the National Guard or the militias is certainly one. <clears throat> I said those as if they're the same, but but they're not. The National Guard, although you'll you'll hear these lies in the waste-stream media, the National Guard is not the same as the constitutional militia because ultimately, if you read the history text, you'll see it was to include all uh, people who were able to fight, essentially, of, of various ages, and there are certain differences that we'll, you'll find in history. But uh, ultimately, the idea was uh, a standing army, the bane of liberty, was to be avoided. Well, the U.S. now has that. That's why the Constitution, when we had that, specified that no um, appropriation of funds for the army which could potentially, they wondered, be used against American people, would be able to exist for more than two years. So there are a lot of constitutional things that we've seen violated. Remember when we had posse comitatus and and some other prohibitions against the use of American military or a standing army on American soil? Well, now what we have is the IRS, ATF, FBI, DEA. Pick three letters, folks. It's probably an armed federal agency, and they don't have to worry about the prohibitions on their right to keep and bear arms like you peons do. So this disarmament thing is certainly a big one. Uh, you can rest assured that any moves to use the right to keep and bear arms down there in the border will be uh, capitalized on, um, expounded upon by the leftist in uh, the controlled media, and um, which leads me to the um, other aspect of this, this militia thing. It is conceivable. I'll admit, I would be surprised, but I do think it's appropriate If the governor of Texas was to say, uh, we're going to call out the militia in Texas, we're going to call out the armed citizenry and say, you're being invaded. And I'm going to encourage the people of Texas, for example, now I suspect there'll be all kinds of legal research going on, is hopefully right now, but uh, to defend your farms, defend your homes, understand that um, maybe maybe we talk to the attorney general and and suggest if there are um, need to deputize folks we get the sheriffs and the sheriffs by the way could do this without necessarily having to wait for the governor they could start deputizing people and saying you have uh, you have the authorization to defend your homes to defend against invasion and so we could very well see a lot of things on a on a bunch of different levels county levels beginning to happen on that score 
Um, and uh, of course, if we if we actually see um, Biden or his puppet masters being uh, foolish enough, stupid enough, brazen enough, crazy enough to open fire on the Texas National Guard or to otherwise uh, try to um, incite some kind of an incident and use that to escalate things, well, again, what we could see are things escalating and, and moving very rapidly in a direction that nobody originally wanted to see, but ultimately those that are pushing for it have been Jones and Four for a long time. So let me, at this point, mention a couple of other articles that I've gotten sitting here that will, will kind of outline uh, some of the other wild cards that we need to be aware of and thinking about. Uh, first, just a quick look at a piece by Michael Snyder from the Economic Collapse blog and called uh, Preparing for the Collapse of Society. Are you ready for it, he says. We, we certainly seem to be headed there, and you're not alone because a lot of people are thinking about it, planning for it. We have the next pandemic and, and so forth. Uh, a survey of 6,200 Americans says that 71-plus percent of them believe, and this is correct. I wonder what's wrong with the other 30 percent. They have no faith in the U.S. government to save them or to prevent a doomsday event or, for that matter, to uh, not invoke one. Even more unnerving, many of them believe that whatever it is could happen within the next year. I bet if they took that poll today, they would say uh, it's more likely maybe even the next month or two. So, as he puts it, if you believe delusional, if you believe the government will help you when things start hitting the fan, you're delusional. And what we're seeing, of course, is they're the ones that are trying to make it hit the fan. Now, what he focuses on primarily in this piece is the economic issue. And as I've noted, uh, when we have a civil war, when we have a breakdown of uh, all of the things that go with that, yeah, the supply chains are one of the first things to go. Uh, food supplies, and then it becomes not safe to go to the grocery store. Uh, a whole lot of... Um, of chaos, I guess, ultimately, is what reigns. And especially, again, when you remember that the invaders are already here, that that'll be one of the things that they're trying to push. All right, I mentioned disarmament. I'll mention one other thing up front, and that, of course, is disease X. We've been prepped for this. We saw Fauci get away with it. We saw the fact that they were able to lock the country down with the first bioweapon and the uh, the two-part version, which was the Zyklon B injection that followed it, that has now prepped people by destroying their immune systems for whatever comes next, so, hey, if things get uh, interesting, let's put it that way, you can almost set your watch, expect that we'll see bioweapon releases. And those, too, have already been telegraphed. Look at what's happening in Denver with uh, inoculating people, yeah, with a sheddable injection of Ebola. How wonderful. How absolutely, well, it's beyond insane. It's, um, it's suicidally insane. There are, uh, there are some other wild cards, too. Let's talk about a couple of these. I mentioned the bioweapon. Here's one that came out. I just saw this today. Uh, FDA has put a new rule out there. That's the Federal Death Agency that allows for medical research without informed consent. This is from the Epoch Times. They finalized a rule allowing clinical trials to operate without obtaining informed consent from the participants. <laughs> you could say willing or unwilling. And I ask, come on, what's new here? That's exactly what they did and got away with when they killed tens of millions of people worldwide and injected folks against their will, injected their children. They didn't tell them the truth. They tried to hide it for 75 years. This is basically just formalizing what they've been getting away with. Uh, the rule was issued in December of last year, went into effect January 22nd. Same day that the Supreme Court said, F the Constitution. Isn't that amazing? All right, here's another one. We had a couple of them from Davos this week. And don't think for a second this isn't all related, because the goal, obviously, if you're going to destroy the United States, well, what's, what's, the, what's the rush? 
Well, we need to get rid of the last bastion of places where there is freedom of assembly and worship and speech and the right to keep and bear arms if we're going to move towards what they are forcing people to uh, experience, look forward to, right? You'll eat bugs. You'll own nothing. You'll love it or you'll be dead. Um, this one was would have been funny if it wasn't so satanic. The WEF and one of their uh, world-controlling tyrants have set their sights on yet another target, said a piece from uh, earlier in the week. They want to fight climate change by saying, you can't even have coffee, you uh, you pee on you, because that puts CO2 in the atmosphere. Well, you know what? If coffee puts CO2 in the atmosphere, coffee drinkers do too. As a matter of fact, you don't have to drink coffee. You exhale, you're evil, and they want to not only control you, but, yeah, you know the answer, get rid of you. Seven billion or so people worldwide is the plan, and they've already been telegraphing that move too. Here's another one from Davos. Um, panelists are demanding that a global carbon tax be implemented real soon now, probably before people figure out exactly how evil it is. Uh, I have spent a lot of time talking about this. I won't belabor it. Suffice it to say that this whole idea that carbon is somehow responsible for global warming, climate change, that is man-made, is absolute you-know-what. Yeah, the stuff that they want to eliminate from cows along with the cows. It's bull. You breathe. You produce carbon dioxide. Plants need it to live. The cycle of carbon dioxide and photosynthesis and oxygen is what enables life on the planet. To claim that uh, carbon dioxide is causing a major problem and therefore we have to destroy your ability to what? Feed your family, uh, have energy, you name it. That's about as stupid as the idea that uh, two men can have a baby or that men can transgender and produce... Come to think of it, it's all the same kind of BS from pretty much the same people. So they want this global carbon tax. Uh, regular listeners, anybody that's read scripture already knows where that's headed. It's all about being able to say that you won't be allowed to buy or sell without whatever permission they want to put in place for whatever idiotic reason they think you might put up with. And there you go, too. Finally, this one, also from Davos, and um, it's another element of the threat matrix, uh, pressure from above, pressure from below. Uh, AI leaders at a conference out there uh, in Davos have declared that um, general intelligence, artificial general intelligence, will be better than humans. Uh, no surprise. And if you think that uh, there's a world government coming and you, you understand all the elements of what the uh, the so-called Antichrist might look like or the beast and, and various prophetic things, it's hard to imagine a more apropos understanding than something which is a, um, well, God-like creation of man. How's that for paganism writ large? That just happens to have the worldwide Internet of Things at its disposal so it knows who you are, where you are, what you're doing. It knows all, sees all. Kind of godlike, right? And it has to have this 5G and 6G connections and the bandwidth so that it control and monitors everything. Uh, literally, what they are trying to do is build an artificial god in intelligence and let it run the planet. And uh, I guess uh, when, when you put it all together, uh, no wonder people are looking at this and saying, wow, this is, this is almost uh, beyond my control to comprehend. And um, that's kind of the place that I wanted to go and I want to end up today as we start thinking about it, folks, because um, I mentioned several of the thought experiments. So um, 
if we if we go back to that theme for just a second and recognize how this could uh, could escalate and how there could be shots fired and how there could be uh, more people coming, more people defending, more things out of control, more states saying we'll send troops or National Guard, and um, then you have, uh, for example, the People's Republic of California saying, well, hey, hell, we're on the West Coast, we just want the Communist Chinese to come on in, so let's have an invasion by sea from over there. Uh, you can imagine any number of ways that as things escalate, that various enemies, foreign and domestic, would say, okay, well, we've pretty well readied ourselves to pull out the stops. Now's the time. Call out the cells. Call in the invaders. Communist China has already prepared for it. You know that's uh, that's ready. Um, I, I think about the only thing that's probably not part of a thought experiment would be a um, an all-out nuclear war up front. Why? Well, because the invaders want to try to save as much of the infrastructure because their goal is to kill Americans, displace Americans, replacement migration, take over, and leave what they can intact. They want the farms. They want the power plants. They want the infrastructure. And if they have to destroy it, don't don't worry. They will. And they'll certainly be anxious to kill as many people as they can in the progress in the process. But it's it's definitely about trying to take over arable farmland and all the things, the resources that they want, and get rid of the native inhabitants. And that's of course why the the traders in the uh, in the swamp and those that have allowed this to happen are uh, are so incredibly evil. And why once we begin to see the picture, well, it's hard not to recognize uh, how it's intended to play out. So I mentioned some wild cards and the, the pinchers theory and so forth. I guess what I need to do is go back and say, look, when you, when you see this, when you recognize the incredible level of evil and of planning that we have been dealing with and the fact that, yeah, honestly, the die is cast. The United States is dead. Stick a fork in it. We have a military that's been gutted. And uh, th- thinks more about uh, LGBTQ um, pride flags than it does how to run a ship and how to uh, how to take out uh, drone attacks and so forth. But let's put them in harm's way anyway. So when all of that is done, understand, it does look pretty dismal. Uh, well, I have long believed that um, there is good news even among the very bad here, and that's that's probably the the larger point. There are promises that we have in Scripture. And um, I know that when people hear this, uh, certainly the secular types, their eyes glaze over. And they say, oh, oh, you know, they'll talk about prophecy and the mark of the beast and all that kind of stuff again. Spare me that. Okay, well, then go ahead and just die along with your neighbors when the invaders come and they slit your throat and they rape your wife and they kill your kids and they take your stuff and end of story, right? On the other hand... There does come a point, and I think this is part of the reason why we've been warned and why uh, Scripture is so uh, key and clear about it, and why, of course, if the United States isn't ready for judgment, you've got to ask what nation on the planet ever did deserve judgment more. It seems to me, it's always seemed like um, when we look at the end-time scenario and ask how does some of this start to play out, and besides what we're already seeing, there is this element of people being essentially um, pushed to the point where either they shake their fist at Yah, and that, of course, is written about as well, or they start to realize, look, outside of the creator of the universe, outside of the hope that he's real, we got no hope. We literally don't have a prayer. And so as all of this plays out, and as it looks more and more dismal, the good news is that I think more and more people as well are going to start to say, okay, I can't stop the invasion. It's over. Again, it's done. Communist China, Russia, pick an enemy, pick a traitor. They're here. They have planned. We have laid down and uh, literally turned over the keys to the kingdom. So now what? 
the only remaining hope is the one that we honestly should have had and recognized all along, and that's the creator of the universe. So in spite of the obvious bad news and the dismal-looking future and things that um, I can see playing out in a number of different ways, but none of them without um, bloodshed and complete meltdown and lots of true nastiness as a great likelihood, well, the more that looks like it's inevitable, the more it's therefore also important we recognize, yeah, people will finally start to say, like it or not, there is a creator, and I don't have any hope at all outside of him, so let's do that. Let's return to him. Let's pray. Let's prepare. Now, for those of us that are aware of this and have been paying attention, uh, I would suggest the answer is clear and has been for a long time. Certainly many folks that have been listening here understand the idea of come out of her, my people. We understand the need for preparedness. We understand the need for dealing with alternative economics and so forth. But we also recognize that um, one way or another, we, we can't do it alone. We certainly cannot do it without him. So what we do is study, show ourselves approved, uh, look and understand and study the word, and prepare in accord with the variety of things that we can see coming, um, all of which I can't help but think point in that same direction. The more ugly it gets, the more we're going to have to recognize that there is a creator, that he did warn us about that, and this, and that means... Yeah, there is hope. There is a solution if we will simply return to him. And, uh, yep, it's more complicated than that because we have to survive in the meanwhile and we have to uh, uh, deal with our neighbors and all of the eventualities that we're going to see play out. But that's the good news. That's the reason why we're trying to prepare early and blow the shofar of warning and let people understand what's coming. Because I guess one more time this week, if we saw something very clearly, it's that you can't count on a Supreme Court that basically are a bunch of black robe priests, uh, certainly a majority, of another god. And that goes for the AI gods that they're creating and so many other things that are out there, too. There is one true creator, and the lines have never been more bright and clear and well-defined, and it's never been more important than now that we understand those things and know who we serve. It's going to be important, too, that we recognize others who can be counted on, who share a faith in the one true God and understand how this nation fell why we are where we are, because if you can't recognize the problem, you don't have a clue about the solution. So I'll close today by saying one more time that as things get darker, as it gets more and more obvious that the conspiracy theorists and those who have been reading prophecy and scripture for so long have been warning, the judgment that we're seeing is not only well-deserved, it was in fact inevitable, and that means, yeah, pay attention to the rest of the book. See what is clearly being pointed to, what comes next, what it means, and what we need to do, and uh, as you know, what we need not to do. And here comes the hard one, folks, but it really is vital to understand. As people get more and more panic-stricken and afraid of what they can finally maybe see coming, it's just that much more important than ever to realize what this nation was actually founded upon and who and how much we've lost by moving away from that. 